A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm so glad you've joined us on the program today. You know, <clears throat> Mr. Crow there, uh, my studio audience, not quite studio audience, he's out on the porch. He's not in the office this morning, but uh, <clears throat> he is around. So apologies for the uh, rooster in the background. Again, so glad to have you with us uh, on the program. I, you know, I, I, I probably should... And be talking more about uh, Joe Biden uh, and his uh, comments about so-called assault weapons yesterday. But I just I just can't do it. Can't do it. I mean, how many times do we have to hear when the Second Amendment was invented? You couldn't own a cannon. Um, No, that's that's wrong, Joe. It's wrong. Uh, But I will say this. It, It is evident that Democrats really are trying to run on gun control in this midterm election. Uh, despite, well, I think because uh, of the fact that they don't really have a lot of great things to point to. Right? I mean, they can point to spending a lot of money, but um, we can also point to inflation. They can point to, you know, low unemployment, but we can point to signs of a recession. So I, I can understand why it is that uh, Democrats are talking about gun control. But I honestly can't understand, as we talked about, I wrote about this at Barry Arms yesterday. I just don't understand Joe Biden's argument. Honestly, I don't understand the argument of the we, we, America is awash in weapons of war, and therefore we have to ban the future sale and manufacture of them. But, uh, you know, the 25 million or so weapons of war that were supposedly awash in, ah, those are fine. I don't get it. I, I don't get it from a gun control perspective. It doesn't make any sense to me. But then again, the idea of a ban on the most commonly sold rifles in America doesn't make any sense to me, either from a constitutional perspective or from a simply pragmatic perspective. We saw what happened the last time Joe Biden managed to enact a gun ban. Didn't have any impact on violent crime. Again, these guns aren't used in a lot of crimes to begin with. So why would we anticipate that this would have a uh, major impact? Anyway, I'm not going to talk about Joe Biden all day today. I'm not, I promise, because we've got something else to discuss. And that is the fact that right now, anyway, um, New York's new post-Bruin concealed carry laws are set to take effect tomorrow. Thursday. Now, there are a couple of legal challenges that have already been filed. We've had hearings for an emergency injunction, but as I am recording the show today, we've not had any of those decisions handed down. So I think we have to operate under the theory that uh, the federal courts are going to allow these laws to go into effect, at least for the time being. And I got to tell you, if that happens, if we don't see some sort of, you know, last minute uh, 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 injunction, granted by a federal judge, things are shaping up to be an absolute (laughs) show in New York tomorrow. Take a look at some of these uh, headlines from around the state. Uh, Doubts raised as to whether pistol permit rules will impact gun crimes. New York sheriffs go after illegal guns instead. Yeah, New York's new gun laws take effect on Thursday, but training requirements will vary. And training requirements may only be applied to permit holders renewing licenses in the New York City area. Again, there is so much confusion right now as to what the laws actually are going to be that this is going to be just a nightmare. Uh, I've seen reports from county clerks that they still don't have the uh, new and improved, quote unquote, uh, applications for a concealed carry permit. So tomorrow, 
when folks have to apply under the new rules, they, they, they may not be able to because the state apparently hasn't issued the new applications. There's still confusion as to what the training has to look like and, and, and who is authorized to conduct this training. Uh, the law talks about duly authorized instructors, but it doesn't say how you become duly authorized. There's a lot of confusion over the sensitive places in New York, uh, where you've got some lawmakers who voted for these measures saying, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Things like the uh, Adirondack Park. Uh, yeah, the, 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 that listen, that's a gun-free zone. And then Governor Hochul says, no, not really. Who do you listen to? Who do you follow? And by the way, all of this apparently subject to interpretation, which means it's subject to change, not through the legislative process, but through the whim or the edict of New York's governor. Uh, again, it is shaping up to be an absolute disaster. So it's amazing to me that you are still seeing so many people try to take advantage of their right to keep and bear arms. Check this report out from uh, Niagara County. Typical year, about 1,100 people apply for pistol permits. Over the past 12 days, the Niagara County clerk says that they've taken in 956 new applications. So almost as many people applied in Niagara County over the past two weeks as typically apply in a year. That's amazing. And again, it really shows, I think, the demand for the uh, right to bear arms and self-defense that is being artificially suppressed by the state of New York through these new gun control laws. And law enforcement, particularly in upstate New York, I mean, they're making no bones about the fact that these laws are going to impact law-abiding citizens far more than they'll impact violent criminals. Uh, one sheriff, uh, Otsego County Sheriff uh, Richard Devlin, said that criminals are still going to be out there committing crimes with illegal firearms, and the law-abiding public's going to be jumping through hoops to get a permit. This is all going to put additional workload on the clerks and the sheriffs, and we're not going to be able to handle that workload. That's another problem, by the way. You know, one of these new provisions, well, there are several new provisions in terms of applying for a concealed carry license, but the county sheriffs have been tasked with a lot more work. I mean, they're supposed to now go through people's social media accounts in order to determine their good moral character, right? Well, if you've got a deputy that's now tasked with pouring over somebody's Snapchat account or scrolling through their Twitter feed, that means that that deputy's not out there on the streets, not patrolling neighborhoods, not going after people who illegally possess firearms and use them in the commission of violent crimes. This will have a detrimental impact on public safety in a couple of different ways. Again, law enforcement is going to be overworked and overburdened because of these new rules. Meanwhile, law-abiding citizens are going to find it harder in many parts of the state to actually bear arms in self-defense. Keep in mind, the new sensitive places in New York encompass virtually all private property. And most public places as well. You know, Governor uh, Kathy Hochul said before these new laws were passed, she was asked, you know, where, where are people going to be able to carry afterwards? She said, well, maybe some city streets. And that is, in essence, what the law is in New York now. Uh, by default, every private property is a gun-free zone, unless in some circumstances, the property owners are allowed to 
opt in and, and, and welcome concealed carry on the premises, but only in some circumstances. Because again, there are broad categories of privately owned businesses or, or even, you know, houses of worship where the property owner doesn't get that choice. They're not allowed to welcome in concealed carry holders. It's simply forbidden for them to do so. And it's a felony for anybody to actually carry in a quote unquote gun free zone. Uh, as I mentioned, there are a number of legal challenges underway. Uh, as of the time of this recording, we don't have any decisions from uh, any federal judges, but operating under the theory that these laws are going to go into effect, those challenges will remain in place. Uh, Tom King, head of the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association, talking about the uh, new regulations and wondering how on earth anybody is going to be able to follow them. He said, well, the uh, uh, he said, um, how, how do they expect people to obey a law when they don't know what the law means? And he's right about that. And if you don't know what the law means, it is very hard to follow the law, which means I think we're going to have, unfortunately, uh, in the days and weeks ahead, if these laws do take effect, number of individuals who are not violent criminals, who have no criminal intent whatsoever, but they are going to be arrested. They are going to be facing felony charges simply for the crime of exercising their right to armed self-defense in a place where Governor Kathy Hochul and New York Democrats have said they're not allowed to do so. So we will uh, continue keeping our eyes on New York. My uh, best wishes to all New York gun owners out there. And I hope that, uh, listen, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that by the time you hear this, the, today's show is completely out of date. We've had an injunction granted. These uh, new laws are not going to be taking effect, but I don't think we can count on that uh, at this point. And so the uh, fight will continue. And unfortunately, the uh, <laughs> show is soon to arrive. All right, let's turn our attention now to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day and our recidivist report. We will start there with a, a case out of Mobile, Alabama, where a uh, man uh, out on probation for murder is now facing new charges. Yeah, out out on probation for murder. A three-year sentence for murder. Yeah, that's all he got. Uh, Reginald Belvins, uh, accused of shooting a gas station clerk while out on probation for murder in 2013, was found guilty of two charges and is now facing life in prison. I mean, that, that's the good news here. But how on earth does somebody get a three-year sentence for murder? He was previously sentenced to three years for homicide, uh, according to WKRG News. Uh, I don't know how that happens. But uh, again, on probation, accused of yet another violent crime, this week found guilty of first-degree robbery and second-degree assault for, again, shooting that uh, gas station clerk, uh, and is now facing life in prison without the possibility of parole. So I, I guess the second or third time around uh, is the charm here. Um, the uh, woman of the uh, victim in this uh, most recent shooting, uh, her name is Kelly Poole. She talked with uh, WKRG. She said it's very sad that our society is like this, where we have these repeat violent offenders that are being released and having the opportunity to continually commit these crimes. This would be the third time that he shot someone. And again, now there are serious consequences. 
but only now. And uh, Kelly Poole is right. It is sad. But unfortunately, this is the way the justice system works these days. Speaking of the justice system, we also have an update for you on an armed citizen story we talked about last week, a a shooting in Milwaukee where a uh, home intruder was shot and killed. Uh, The family inside the home was unharmed, but now the homeowner is facing charges, not for murder. Authorities apparently still believe that this was a case of self-defense. It just turns out that, uh, according to prosecutors, uh, Jose Malik Gomez was apparently doing some illegal activity inside the home that was broken into. Uh, He has been charged first with illegally possessing the gun that was used in the homicide. A a criminal complaint filed against Gomez states that uh, Gomez and his wife originally told police that the intruder fired shots into their bedroom. Detectives said that Gomez claimed that his wife shot the intruder. But in a follow-up interview, detectives said that Gomez admitted to being the one who fired the gun. Um, Again, not facing murder charges, but he is facing charges of being a felon in possession of a firearm as well as uh, two drug charges. The uh, prosecutor said what we are prosecuting him for is the giant drug dealing operation in his house. He had pounds of THC, pills, and ecstasy. Gomez's wife also charged with maintaining a drug trafficking place and will appear in court back in uh, or uh, uh, upcoming in uh, October. So we will uh, bring you more details about this case as it uh, moves forward. Uh, still an armed citizen story, or at least a defensive gun use. But uh, and again, listen, even if you are not legally allowed to possess a firearm, you are legally allowed to defend your life. You may very well face additional charges as a result of that. But um, as we've seen with Mr. Gomez, uh, but he's not being charged with shooting the intruder. He's being charged with illegally possessing the gun that he used to do so as again, well as uh, maintaining a, what prosecutors describe as a a fairly large uh, drug dealing operation. All right. Today's uh, good deed of the day. Beard in Oregon, where uh, police say an officer's actions helped save a man trapped inside of a burning vehicle. Uh, This was early Tuesday, around 2.30 in the morning. Uh, Officers and deputies with the Washington County Sheriff's Office responded to a report uh, of this uh, vehicle found the uh, uh, car laying on its side. It was on fire, and the uh, lone occupant inside the vehicle was still trapped inside, uh, identified as a 34-year-old Johan Hermosillo. The police department said that a Beaverton Police Department officer approached the burning vehicle, uh, disregarding his own safety, broke the sunroof, uh, and then told Hermosillo to crawl from the vehicle. The department said a small explosion Uh, forced the officer to keep his distance. Hermosillo was unresponsive, and so the officer decided to run to the engulfed vehicle, reach into the flames, and pull Hermosillo out to safety. The department said that due to the brave actions of the officer, Hermosillo sustained only non-life-threatening injuries. Uh, We don't know the name of the uh, officer. Hermosillo uh, was cited for DUI and reckless driving. Investigators say they found evidence of impairment. Uh, at the uh, scene of the crash. And again, don't know the uh, name of that Oregon police officer in the right place at the right time, unable to do the right thing, but uh, we thank him for his very good deed. 
Now, that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you again for being a part of the program. We will be back tomorrow. We will have updates for you on what's going on in New York. Will this be the day that the new laws take effect or will a judge step in and uh, put a halt to some or all of the uh, new gun control laws passed by New York Democrats. We'll get to that story and more on tomorrow's Bearing Arms Cam and Company. Be sure to check out BearingArms.com throughout the day. We'll keep you updated there as well with all the latest Second Amendment news and information that you need to know about. If you like what you see, I'd also encourage you to become a VIP member at Bearing Arms. Just go to BearingArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. Not only will you be supporting the independent pro-Second Amendment porting that we do at Bearing Arms, but as our way of saying thanks... We're going to give you exclusive content, news stories, analysis, stuff you won't find anywhere else because your support really does matter. And it does make a difference. So thank you again. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free. Be free.